Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Black Great Connect podcast with your favourite podcast host, Alicia Richardson. And it's where we speak to some of the most interesting, some of the most accomplished, inspirational, young and older black entrepreneurs from all over the world. And today we have Romain Mohammed, who is the founder of Diversify, he's also a researcher for universities and a pending author. Pending. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thanks for coming. No worries. Anytime. Anytime. How are you feeling? I like to, I like to always do like a vibe check with everyone that yeah, comes good, on. Yeah, good, good. You know what? It's um, I think I'm coming down with something. I think it's going. I think there's a bit of a cold going around. A lot there of is. people have it, so yeah, I think I'm kind of coming off the back of that. But yeah, all good. Apart from that, all good. Just busy, 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 busy. Black History Month. Yeah, yeah I can busy. imagine. Yeah. I feel like this this year in particular feels a bit busier than like I other think years. So, yeah, I see. I don't know. I don't know if it's because I feel like I'm more active or I'm more visual like i'm seeing things more seeing more things on linkedin yeah. or whatever but i definitely see more companies doing things for black history month in that sense and I, like i don't remember a year that, that, that they had a theme so obviously this year's saluting our sisters but i don't remember mm. last year or the year before having a theme maybe they did but i just don't remember it maybe uh, i wasn't as as connected as i am now i think now last yeah. year they had a theme i think it was last year's theme was around mental health okay black right, mental right, health right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. Is, yeah yeah and yeah it's a big challenge in, in the community so that's a that's a really good really good topic to be honest as is saluting our sisters but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it is a good theme to mm. be fair and the national theme i think for the year is overcoming resistance as well for the year yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. i always check these things but anyway yeah. anyway we're, we're, we're here to talk about you and your journey and i want to make sure we get in as much as we can no in the worries. time that we have so i guess first of all give like an intro into like who you are yeah. what you do and we're going to work it backwards i always like to go to the start out in life for every single podcast guest mm. so do your intro and then we can do that yeah so my name's remain mohammed uh 31 years old originally from north london tottenham mm. uh live in hackney east london now um come from a, a caribbean jamaican background my grandma came to the uk in 1961 so specific a, yeah well I mean, you said give an intro yeah. really. they said give an intro so i want to give people as much information as you know as who i am and what i'm about so, yeah so my grandma came 61 from jamaica um she loads of you know she's got loads of stories man that's my that's my warrior right there that's my mm. that was my mum, my dad my grandma my best friend my mentor Judge, juror, executioner, everyone wrapped into one. Yeah. So yeah, she plays a, a big part in, in my life and my upbringing and why I'm here now, really mm. and truly, if I'm honest with you, as does my mum, to be honest. But yeah, I think the women in my family play, uh, have played a really, really big role, um, as the women in most Caribbean and, and black families play a big role. Why would you say that, actually, before you continue your intro? Why do they play a big role? Yeah, like for for you, why 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 specifically your your grandma for you? For me, like I like I said, she was so she was the so I grew up in a family. Um, unfortunately, you know, in some in some cases, it's common where the women were the leaders of the family. The women mm. were the, the 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 you know they were the the heads of the family mm. in that sense. So my grandma didn't have a granddad. Um, my dad wasn't was in and out in that sense of of my life um great guy though i ain't got nothing against him great mm. guy very very charismatic mm. very very he's the kind of guy that you know if you are if you're angry with him you meet him in that one second he'll make you forget why you're angry with him he's that type, yeah he's that type of guy so if i was to meet him now there's no point that's why there's no point of holding any type of 
animosity or bad vibes mm. towards him because he's just so charismatic. Yeah. Um, and got such an infectious personality. Um, but yeah, so he wasn't really around in that sense. So a lot of the guidance and direction mm. came from the women in my family, from my grandma, my mum, and my auntie. Mm. Like it came from 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 my aunties. It came from it came from them. So, and I feel like it's it's quite common um, in, in in Caribbean families to have that sense, to have that dynamic. Grandma is usually the head of the household. You know, it's, whether it's functions, whatever you know, whatever type of events usually happen at grandma's house. Yeah. That is the hub, grandma's house. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's almost like there's a saying in 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 there's almost like a saying like don't sell grandma's house when grandma passes. Like don't sell the house because that's where everyone, the memories are. Yeah. Everyone is, and once you sell that house, the it's like almost the family kind of spreads out and gets dispersed, mm. and you can't get that back in that sense. So yeah, like that's the person who. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. These things happen. <laughs> it's the prayer time. Yeah, the prayer time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, so grandma's house was the, the hub, the center of everything, and she played a, such a an important part in my life when it comes to, when it came to motivation, direction. Mm. Even to this day, she's one of the only people that I will listen to in terms of she says do something, do, do it. If she says don't do something, I won't do it. She's one, really? of, she's one of the only, yeah, one of the only people, one of the only people whose opinion I hold so kind of dear to my heart and valued in that sense. Yeah. Um. So yes, yeah, they did, you know, and. Even when I look back um, to my upbringing, I feel like they played such an important part in terms of just having me have that level of awareness in terms of my own self, my own identity, who I am as a young black man in the UK, where I'm from, and just little things like, for example, mm. um, I remember in my grandma's house, she had a picture, and the usual kind of image when you go to grandma's house, they usually have a, an image of the Last Supper. Like, you mm. know, like the, the lot. The Every single Caribbean family yeah. has that Last picture. Supper, right? yeah, 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 yeah. My grandma never had that. My okay. grandma had a picture of Martin Luther King. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't know who this man was until I was about seven, six, seven. Well, I always remember. That's because I asked at that point. But from an up, from an early age, I was always seeing this man in the room, center of the room. Like, mm. well, who's this person? And she still got a picture. That she's not going up anymore, but it's still in in the, in the corner of the, the living room. So she had that. My mum. The first, and I say this story a lot, probably, mm. probably heard about it, but it's quite an instrumental part of, of my socialization and my upbringing. My mum had a picture of, um, not a picture, mum, when I was mm. seven, my mum bought me a first CD my mum bought me was uh, Two Pack Changes. Yeah. And anyone who knows that song, who knows that record, knows how. I remember you mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, knows how political it is, knows the, the kind of social issues, the, the, the you know, economic issues, poverty, talks about US foreign policy, talks about you know, uh, teenage pregnancy. It talks about so many different things that happen mm. in our community and urban communities as a whole across the across the world. And as a seven-year-old boy, that's what I was listening to. Whilst you know having Martin Luther King in the in the in the in the, in, the, in, in my grandma's living room, mm. obviously who fought against some of the same things that Tupac's talking about mm. in in the in the in the track, like inequality, equality. You know inclusion. You know we talk about diversity, inclusion. You know some of these people were the pioneers of that in a in a space in a time where, you know, they were facing some real, real, real challenges. Not the kind of challenges that we face in that sense. Real challenges, like real exclusion, um, where you can't even go to certain places. You can't even get on a bus. And you know, that's the kind of things I was listening to and seeing when I was growing up. Little things like my mum would take me to museums, 
when I was young. She'd buy me books when I was young. Not the not the typical things that a seven-year-old or eight-year-old or nine-year-old was exposed to. Mm. When I ask them about it now, like, do you know what you've done? Like, they're not. No, I don't know what I've done. I just, just bought you the CD. Like, but for me, it holds such a big significance that they don't even know. Like, for me, that's, that is more than any toy, any, do you know what I mean? That was the making of Remain Mohammed at that point yeah so so they just bought it for you just because mm. they were just interested or they liked Tupac mm. or they just liked Martin Luther King mm. without knowing well of course they probably knew the, knew the deeper meaning but not knowing the impact that it would have on your life and your views as well my life. And, that, and that's the and that's the thing about it's really important as humans as big brothers as cousins as sisters as parents mm. as uncles and aunties as some of us are now that we really understand the impact that we're having on young people mm. and on children, on the youth. Because something that you don't see as a big thing, something they that pay you, they pay attention to it and yeah. they're seeing it. Little habits that you do that you might think, oh, it's just this or it's just, they're seeing it. Yeah. Um, and I'm living proof and testament to something so small like a CD or taking me to a museum. That sparked off a whole chain of thoughts and character building and everything yeah even this podcast episode in years to come when we're not around anymore Mm. there's gonna be (laughs) youth that listen to this as we speak it's gonna be around forever so that's gonna have some type of impact on some on on one individual so we have to be mindful what we're putting out there into the world what we're saying yeah how we're you know coming across and what we stand for exactly as well like what are your core values what is your you know what is what motivates you what is your what is your what is the your representation that you're giving off into the world? Yeah, does that make sense? Like exactly. Who are you trying to be? Who are you not trying to be? Exactly. And those things are, are really in, in really important. They're like, it's just yeah, I can't even describe how how much of an effect it it had had on me. But yeah, I wish that, and I think that level of representation mm. is what's missing sometimes with the youth, our, our youth of today. Like we struggle to, or we don't have a level of representation that that we need in terms of. You know, we might have black footballers or we might have black musicians, but when you look at black leaders, politi- you know, politicians or yeah, black businessmen or black businesswomen, it's, it's, it's quite limited, especially in the UK context. Um, why do you think that is, though? Like, not diverting from your story, and we'll get, we'll get back onto that, but why, yeah. but why do you think there is a lack of representation in particular industries and spaces such as politics and mm. business and so forth? It's a, that's a million-dollar million dollar question. I think on that question... I could be here for hours and hours breaking it down and, and, and speaking about uh, and giving an answer. I think that there are industries that have been, we've been pigeonholed in too. Um, I think that there's industries that almost we've been allowed to have this space in, for example, music, sports. I think, don't get me wrong, we are a people who have a lot of talent mm. and we're naturally talented in terms of sports we have where you know we're good athletes and mm. good at football good biologically basketball. as well biologically yeah. yeah look at like you go to the olympics and you see yeah. the olympics 100 meters you see the olympic long distance you know it's us that, that are, are are in those spaces so i think there's a level of nature and biology and science to it but i also think there's a level of design in that sense there's a level of design that yeah. we've almost been pigeonholed to 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 be in certain spaces almost at the at the disadvantage or almost at the, the you know, the, the contrast of being in other spaces, mm. for example. And I think it's also due to the fact that we might not think that we belong 
in those spaces. For example, if you do look at politics, yeah, if you are told as a young person that you are the other, the stranger, you know, accidental, you're a chance visitor, you've only been here since 1948, your, your forefathers have only been here since 1948. And when you were, if there was, if there was any of your kind here before 1948, you were just, through, it was just through automatic enslavement, which would determine the status of the, you know, black presence or the African presence in the UK. Mm. What does that do to in your sense of identity and belonging? It makes you think that well, I'm not really a part of the UK history, the UK establishment. I'm not really, mm. and my forefathers are not really a part of it. We're just either slaves or we're just new visitors. So it doesn't give you the the level of, um, you know belonging or the level of uh, identity to, to, to make you feel like you're entitled or you have a chance or you have a say at being, you know, in the, in politics or in, in leadership, if that makes sense. So how, I mean, I want to get into how we solve that. And I know that's probably going to link in with your business. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't want to skip the structure of the yeah. conversation. Sorry, I'm going off topic. right? No, now. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you're not. Yeah. But I'm going to ask you the question, mm. but we cannot forget to get back to your, t- to your cool, journey. Cool, cool. How do we think we can solve that? Because what I'm seeing, I think it's actually, it's slowly getting better. I feel mm. like we're seeing more representation in in business. Um, I think there's much more founders, black founders yeah. that I'm seeing. Um, and I think for me, the solution is creating our own path and not having to conform or beg to be accepted in places that don't create spaces for us. Yeah. So I'm seeing a lot of black founders evolve because of that. Um, politics, however... I feel like will always be, especially in the UK, it's always going to have a barrier because how, how I see it is this is a white country and through and through. And that's the problem. And, and but the thing is, mm. if you go to Jamaica, if you go to mm. Nigeria, you're going to see black people running that country because 100%. it's their country, mm-hmm. right? And but I think where the difference is, where the frustration is, is that actually we were born here and there's a lot of us here. It's very multicultural. So we should have some type of say as to how people live here. But I feel like the blocker is I do think there should be more representation. But I think the blocker is, is that they always will see it as this is through and through our country, like you're here on loan type of situation. And that's yeah. And that's the problem. Once that once we start trying to shift and change that narrative, Mm. you know, once we yeah, once we try and shift and change that narrative then I think in terms of that level of identity mm. and belonging will start to change. Once we start to know that, well, black people have been here since at least 10,000 years, mm. at least 10,000 years, mm. you know? Um, I know some historians might debate that, but there's there's a number of different accounts. Just Cheddar Man, if you heard of Cheddar Man. Uh, so the Cheddar Man, yeah, he was a... He was a um, Maybe we can you can put up a picture of Cheddar Man <laughs> just so to give the to give <laughs> so the viewers a, so who, who Cheddar Man was. But Cheddar Man was basically he's, he was found in the British Isles. Um, he's found in Britain. He was um, they found him in in the early early 20th century, and they've only just uh, in 2018 because of DNA structure etc. And 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 and, and um, technology was only was only able to just make a, a an image of what he looked like. Okay. And they say that he had blue eyes and black skin. Blue eyes, black skin, and dark hair, okay? And they say that although, and there's a doctor called Dr. Tom Booth, who was a researcher mm. um, at the Natural History Museum, mm. and he commented and said that just although just, they've just found this one person, he is indicative of a population, not only in Britain at this time, but in the whole of Europe, 
Yeah. Okay. They said that this Cheddar man lived 10,000 years ago. Um, and he, yeah, he's the first Homo sapien that they found. So the oldest one of our species that they found in the UK. And do you know how he, how he, how he got here? Well, they said that he could have been, could have come from, so there's a population that come out of Africa that went to the Middle East. And then from the Middle East, there was some type of like land bridge and they crossed, this population crossed into Europe and he right, came to the UK. I see, I see. Yeah. So, okay. so these are the things that, 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 that were not taught. Okay. When we think about the UK, when we think about Britain, it's a, it's a we, we think about King Henry VIII. Mm. And we think about, and you know, if you look at King Henry VIII's time, there were black people here. Mm. There were multiple black people here. If you look at even one of the, King Henry VIII, he had a, a trumpeter who was, um, it's called the West, there's an image of him, it's called the Westminster Tournament Roll. And it was basically a celebration that King Henry VIII had for his son um, when he married his wife, Catherine of Aragon. He had a son, so he had a big procession in London in, London in Westminster. Mm. And he had one of his trumpeters there, who was mm. a black man called John Blank. And in his picture, he's, you know, he's unequivocally uh, black, unequivocally mm. of African descent, and he was wearing a green turban, which could suggest that he maybe wasn't a Christian. Mm. But we're taught that... Wait, why, why would that suggest that? Because at the time, he would have been someone, he would have been a, a, group, a group of people who, who were called the Moors. Uh, and the Moors were in Spain, in Portugal at the time, and they came from, from, North, from North Africa. Some of the Moors would have been people from African descent. Some of the Moors would have been people from, you know, Asians or people from Asia Minor, that sort of area. There was a mixture, mm. a conglomerate of different people. Mm. And they invaded Spain in 711. Um, and that's where you had the, 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 the Moorish conquest of Spain and, and, and they kind of took it over, et cetera, et cetera. And they, you know, they're, they're documented as bringing civilization to Spain. Okay, you got know, you. Okay. What, yeah. Okay, okay, got you. Civilization to Spain and then civilization to Europe. Um, in the time, you know, historians say that, that, that Europe was in the, something called the Dark Ages, okay? And they brought civilization to, to Europe. So they say, you know, in, Rena in all Renaissance paintings around Europe, Moors are this, this you know, who were tra tra traditionally Muslims. They have turbans in their, in their pictures. Right. They wear turbans. And it's to denote to them as being different. Got you. In okay. That sense. So yeah, he had a turban, and there's more people. There's so many different people. One of the one of Henry VIII's wives apparently had a numerous numerous uh, black women in her in her entourage in her court, and we know we know we know about we know about a number of black people. And Princess Charlotte, no? Yeah, I've she, heard it. Yeah, I've heard of that. I've, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that one. So this is what I mean. In every aspect, on every century, in every mm. age of of British history, there have been people here of African descent who are black. Uh, but we, it's, it's just, we are, we don't know about it as much because historians have been re reticent or they've been lazy in, in showing this history. Well, yeah, because they, I mean, I'm of the belief as well that when it comes to anything to do with history, politics, media, um, it's all constructed. It's all, it's that, it's that there's decisions that are made, strategic decisions. Mm. So even when we think about the, the change in social media and us even knowing about George Floyd when it happened, for example, we probably wouldn't have known about, maybe you might have known about, maybe not, but there's so many other situations yeah. like with Sandra and when all these things <coughs> that happen, yeah. it's social media that has then organically spread, you know, in certain information. When you watch the news, there was one time I was in hospital, like maybe about three years ago, I was in hospital for a couple of days, and I watched the news and they showed, the things they showed us was completely different mm. to what they showed us 
on social media. So I feel like it's with when it comes to history, they purposefully, yeah. intentionally left certain information out, which is why we should take this opportunity to create our own black history through doing stuff like this and putting stuff out there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's important. It's really, yeah. it's really, really important. I know that when I was young, if I had, if there was a space or there was opportunities where I could learn things that pertain to me, I would have, it would have changed a lot for me. And I feel like the journey of, I, you know, I was quite lucky, as I said, like having my grandma and my mum and all that yeah. type of stuff. But I feel like some of us in general, there would be a lot, there's, there's a, a level of, I guess, identity and searching about who, 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 who are we? Like, who, yeah. are, who am I? Like, why am I here? Not in terms of the whole kind of, you know, uh, why I'm here in terms of in this world. I mean, why am I here in this particular place? Like, how did I get here? And being taught by someone who is not trying to pull the wool over your eyes or mm. is not trying to bamboozle you or hoodwink you, someone who's actually going to tell you um, mm. the truth, I think that really would really, really, really help us as a people, in yeah. specifically in the UK. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's what's missing. I think that that's, yeah. that's what's missing. That's why we feel like this place isn't ours. Is it isn't or, ours, yeah. We, we haven't been Because Americans don't here. feel like that. They don't. Yeah, Americans, they, they hold black, black American, Fourth of July, like, 100%. I'm American, like, literally, they hold it on so 100%. tight. I don't even know when, do we, do we have a certain day that we celebrate for the UK? Uh, I don't even know what day, if there is one. I know I know Jamaican Independence Day, but I don't know. No, I don't think there is. don't think there is in the UK, no. There's always, there's no. always been independent, actually, yeah. so that doesn't actually stand. But anyway, going back onto to your journey. So you started to discover these things. What what were you like as a child? Like how did this, all of this information that you're, that you're consuming, mm. how did this play into your character mm. and the actions that you kind of took as you was developing as a young man? I have to get my mum in there for this question. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Try to be as objective as you can. Yeah, no, I think I was, um, I think I was quite an inquisitive child. I think I was a, 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 a good, no, yeah. I think I was an inquisitive child. I think when I was younger, I think the inquisitiveness, I was quite naughty. So I remember putting, <laughs> doing little things like stuffing uh, toast in the in the video player in my grandma's house because I just wanted to know what it would do, like what would that like what would that achieve? Like I remember, I remember my grandma had false teeth. I remember throwing out throwing out throwing out the um, throwing her false teeth out in the garden, little things like that. Just, and I, to, just to because see. I don't know, maybe I don't know why I did it. And I remember her running around. I was asking if anyone's seen her got her, her her false teeth. And I remember me saying, "They're in the garden. It's in the garden." And I was saying, it's not in the garden. And then someone actually going to look outside there and then finding it in the garden. So um, <laughs> just little things. Like I remember one time running around the, 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 the table in the living room with, um, with washing up liquid and I was just squirting it around the floor. Yeah, yeah, I must sound like a little shit. I know, yeah. <laughs> do, but do, do you know what? You're saying these things and you sound terrible, yeah. but yeah. I was very similar growing up. And I find that... I don't know if you've listened, if you've watched, um, you know, like Karen, for example, like Karen Brady. I know yeah, she, she's yeah, not yeah. a black person, but mm. I'm referencing her because she's the first person I thought of. Yeah. She also was like that as well um, growing up. And I feel like people that are really successful or go somewhere, you have to be like that. You it's have to break. To yeah, you have to break <laughs> rules. You like, you have to, yeah, yeah. like, how am I going to discover that there's a better way of doing something or mm. something new if I don't mm. try and squirt washing up liquid all over the floor and see what happens? <laughs> so it, it I sounds. I run around in circles around, yeah. the, around, the, around the living room table. I just it's wanted to mad. see. I yeah, like, to, what happened? Yeah, like, I wanted to just see. Maybe I was bored. Maybe I was, I needed to be stimulated. I don't know. So there was a mischievous side yeah. of me. And that was when I was like maybe three, four, five. But I think as a whole, I was a, I was a, I was an alright kid. I was a good kid. I'd done well in school. Mm. I always took school seriously. Like 
I remember there was obviously a time where everyone goes through a phase when they're a teenager and everyone kind of goes through the phase where they're kind of seeing what type of direction they're going to go in. Mm. And I remember even when I was going through that phase, that was kept away from school. You know, like I was, um, and I'll shout out to my mum again. She sent me to a school outside the borough. She sent me to a school in Islington. I grew up in Haringey, Tottenham. So she sent me oh, to a wow. school yeah, an hour away just to get me out. She didn't want me. The, and that must have been so inconvenient for her. It was. I mean, well, no, nah, that was secondary school. Still, like, yeah, yeah. like parents well, evenings me, I, Yeah, or? I guess. But she, she worked in Hackney at the time. Okay. Um, so it wasn't too bad for her. But for me, like, it's an hour on the bus in the morning. That's horrible. We'll be at one road, like straight down, uh, straight down Tottenham High Road and to, to, to Liverpool, well, not Liverpool Street, Old Street, whatever, with one bus. But it was long. But you know what? I liked it because what it did is it got me out of the area. Like, because that's quite a... A work type area. Mm. I'm on the bus, on the train, mm. and I'm seeing people going to work. Mm. They're in suits. They're in professional attire. They're just on their commute. So I'm seeing how it, it looks in that part of London. Um, whereas if I went to school in, in in where I lived, I might have got caught up in certain things that that weren't good for me because your your home life and school life, your home friends and school friends, it's one. It's intertwined. Yeah. 100%. So schools stuff translates into area stuff where you live etc etc mm. my stuff was completely separate so what was so what was like secondary school like for you like like what's what subjects like obviously history was obviously a subject that you could, yeah <laughs> obviously history was one of them, but day, yeah like yeah, <laughs> clearly yeah, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. what what subjects were you really good at like uh, did you know what you wanted to be when you was in school nah, do you know what i did do you know what? when i was in school i said i, would, I wanted to be a um a tv presenter okay yeah, yeah i was really good at drama uh, I got A star in drama. Shout out, did Mr. you? Yeah. Yeah. Shout out so, so you can snap out of this character and be someone else because <laughs> <laughs> you're so serious. Like, so I'm like, so you can snap into. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we'll see in it. But um, yeah, no, nah, I want. Yeah, I wanted to. Um, sorry for being serious, by the way. Hope I'm not too serious. Don't apologize. Yeah, like you're yeah. being yourself, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's just, it's just I think because you're passionate about history, so yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm paying attention. It's fine. Oh, like cool. you're you're into it. Be into it. Go on. Good. Good. Um, yes, yeah, so I wanted to be. I wanted to be a, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a TV presenter. And my auntie saying, "Nah, drop that out. Don't do that." I said, "Why?" I said, oh, "It's not stable. There might not be no jobs in it. Whatever." One of the best pieces of advice she gave best me. Best advice. Hundred percent. I was saying this the other day. Yeah. The that, that that entertainment industry is a risk. It's, it is. It is. So I'm uh, saying that to me. Mm. Um. But yeah, I was good at that. I was good at. I was good at maths to a certain point. Mm. Um. I was good at maths to a certain point. So when it started getting complicated, I remember I broke my foot in year ten. Mm. And I remember I was good up until like algebra, up until a certain point. And when I came back from breaking my foot, it just got crazy. Okay. It just started getting mad simultaneous equations, trigonometry, Pythagoras theorem. I'm thinking, what's this? Yeah. Why do like why is X equaling something <laughs> and why not equaling this? And I've got to find what the value of X is, but I, how am I supposed to find that? So it just got a crazy. Bit mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and yeah, you know yeah, what's yeah, mad? Yeah. I don't know if you had this, but. I used to go to my parents. They didn't have a clue. Yes, they don't. They didn't have a clue <laughs> what they were doing. And they used to sit there and waste my time. Yeah. And act like they knew that I was doing and making yeah. me get wrong answers. 100%. Could your, your grandma help you? No. No. Mum couldn't help me either. No, I could Like I said, up to a certain point. Yeah. But then, yeah, it just got a bit mythical in terms of me being able to, to answer those questions. But I managed to still do it. I managed to get A, GCSE, cool. I don't know how I pulled that through, but I managed to do it. Um, but, like, again... 
when we come to looking at social inequality, I'm going to go off on a tangent again, but when we, yeah, come, when, we come look, when we come at looking at social inequality and social equality, these are the kind of nuances that, that, that you see. When you go to certain type of schools, state schools, yeah. they, have, they have no disrespect to state schools. My state, my state school is amazing, Central Foundation. Mm. Salute, yeah? But there's a certain level, and we have some amazing teachers, but not every teacher was amazing. And not every teacher was passionate about the subject that they were teaching. And not every teacher was uh, understood the demographics of the school and mm. the type of children that they were, were teaching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they didn't understand because it was different to them, it was diverse, etc. Not what they're used to. They're not from the area that the Which school's is common. in. It's very yeah. common. It's very common. And I think, you know, I had loads of teachers from all over the world and there's no, nothing wrong with that. But what, um, what it does is that they can't relate to the children and the children can't relate to them. Okay, and especially with black children, there's schools and the, the, the system is very quick to uh, categorize black children as, you know, certain labels, etc., etc., etc. Maybe they just have a different style of learning, or maybe they just, you can't understand them because you don't know them. Exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. and I feel like for, for subjects like maths and a certain subject in, in, in my school, I think like that was one of the things that, that was, was happening. Um, there was a wedge, there was a, a, a distance between and it wasn't just me like there was a couple other uh of some of my friends that i'm still friends with today mm. we, we struggled because i feel like there was the teacher that we had didn't see like didn't, yeah there was, they, 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 or his teaching style we didn't get his teaching style yeah and maybe he didn't get our learning style mm. um and i feel like that that's what you what you find in in, in certain schools you know whereas when you go to, to private schools you know some of these kids in private schools are taught from a young age that you know to to be the next politicians the next yeah, leaders, the exactly. next economists, the next lawyers. That's how they're socialized yeah. growing up from birth, you know. Yeah. Um that's all they're taught. So it's it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy because that's what they become. Because they've seen that growing up. Their mum, their dad, their granddad, their uncles, that's what they see as standard. Mm. Whereas um we might not we might not have that level mm. of same level of representation. So it, it's a, it's, yeah. it becomes a bit of a challenge in that sense. Or I also had another thought. If they did want to go into entertainment, they can because they have a cushion. Oh, yeah. 100%. They have a cushion to fall Listen, back on if it doesn't work. When you, when you, especially places like Hackney, yeah, or quirky places, mm. when you look at some of the University of Arts, for example, University of Fashion, for example, or when you go to art school, when you look at the people who are in art school, they're people who potentially come from middle class backgrounds. Yeah. And they're able to pursue that passion. Like you said, because there's a cushion, so they don't have to worry about. You know what? I need to get. I need to do a, a STEM subject, or I need to do a engineering, exactly, like yeah. a legal subject, or something that I'm going to be able to get a job instantly when I leave. Because they don't have to worry about yeah. that. So, so race, class, culture plays a part in everything. Yeah. Um, it plays a part in everything, and and that's why you know it's one of the things that I talk about a lot because in my own life I've seen how you know it colors. So much of what we do, perceptions that we have, perceptions that people have about us, mm. our own biases, people's biases towards us, it colours it all um, in, in the workplace, in school, etc. So, yeah, it's, um, it's one of them kind of things where it's, it's, it's just, it's really, 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 really important and it's really, um, it's really kind of clear cut to see. What kind of biases do you think that we have gone through, particularly in the workplace? I mean, again, get back to when you were 15 as well and mm. when big changes happen in your life, but mm. what, what type of biases do you think we experience um, 
in the workplace. Just yeah, in the workplace, and or you can even talk about in life or in school in general that pe- that people don't know one because I feel like the obvious ones are are, are spoken about a mm. lot, but people don't really talk about unobvious ones, right? Mm. So, for example, myself, I'm a black neurodiverse woman that's that's intersectional on so many different levels and there's different barriers that i'm gonna face like i might be seen as extra dumb (laughs) like more than a normal person that has dyslexic like that's dyslexic i even said it in the wrong sentence but but do you know what i mean so what so what type of biases have you noticed in your life that are really unusual so so i would say in the workplace i think it's it's a challenge because i think we're quite aware we're aware of our stereotypes. Mm. We're aware of the stereotypes that people have of us. Mm. So loud, um, you know, um, aggressive, aggressive, mm. yes, aggressive. Um, can't keep time. We don't know time. Um, we're prone to, you know, distractions. Uh, there's a number of different, different, different perceptions or biases that people have. And I'll get back to that. But what I want to say before I lose <laughs> lose my train of thought is mm. that. We're, we're, we're aware of these stereotypes that people have of us. So what tends to happen is when we're in, when we're in work, in a work setting, we're hypersensitive. We're hyper aware mm. of these stereotypes mm. that people have of us or that the workplace has of us. So what it does, it creates an internalized pressure that we have to lose some of ourselves to fit in because we don't want to truly be ourselves in the fear that our colleagues or work will, 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 will see these stereotypes mm. Or it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. in that sense. So we're really, really hyper-aware. And I think it was one. It was quite funny actually in the, the the ITV Black Voices study where it said that I think it was like seven. I can't remember the exact statistic, but seventy-six percent of us feel like we have to hold back or we have to Ooh, yeah. leave some of ourselves outside of work. Mm-hmm. And it, it's because of the the biases that are placed on us mm. from a young age or just that we're aware of in society that we are very hyper aware of mm. in terms of them being them being uh, them being them, them being a stereotype. So I remember yeah. you know being asked questions like, "Oh, what does your hair feel like?" You know, is that your real hair? Are you are you really black? Um you're not really really black because your hair's like that. Where are your parents from? Um you know, how come your hair isn't like someone else's hair? Um just look can I touch it? What does it feel like? Just stupid mm. things. Um you know, uh, you know, have, you know what? What's is you know what's Jamaica like? Is it is there skyscrapers there or just stupid kind of ignorant <laughs> things that 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 is just it just shows you the the the, the way people think and the way people mm. view you, black people, Caribbean people. So how how like how again these questions might seem obvious, but how does that impact you? How does someone asking, mm. "Are you really black?" Because your hair is like that, mm. really impact you? Well, like what like. Again, I'm playing devil's advocate, mm, mm. but if someone was to say, "Okay, so what? So, so if someone's asking you about your hair, mm. how does that impact you at all? How well, do you how, how do you respond to that?" Again, I've got my answer, yeah, but, yeah, but how yeah, do you yeah. respond? So, if someone asks me how how does that impact me, how yeah, would I so yeah, so you know all of these the, these comments yeah, yeah, that yeah. are deemed to be silly yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah, questions yeah. that are asked, how does that really have an impact on how we show up and how we are just in like day to day? It just creates an environment where you feel like you're, it creates an environment where you're, like I said, you're seen as the other, different. Yeah. And people are showing you yeah. that. And it creates, an, it creates a, an environment where you know or you can sense that you're seen like that. Yeah. Um, 
and also the fact that you're being watched and judged and your every move is being looked at and analysed. You are being looked at and analysed and assessed, mm. almost like you're some type of research project or study yeah, yeah. In, in that sense. And people haven't don't have the decency and the decorum and the level of, you know, just the level of knowledge to, to understand that black is diverse. Yeah, With, Within exactly. us is diverse. Mm. You know, black, for example, number one, black isn't a isn't is a is a term of art it's a you know black white and all these terms they're socially politically constructed terms mm. okay they came about uh, they, they they arose out of pseudo-scientific racism okay people like john what Frederick. Is that? so it's uh it's terms so it's essentially there was a couple of people a guy called carl Linnaeus, john mm. frederick blumenbach um they were the main two there's a couple other people as well and they basically denoted uh, terms of race or racism based on skulls and based on certain you know bone structures etc and they basically said there's a couple of types of of human beings in this world you had caucasoid you had negroid you had mongoloid some said you had white you have black you have red and you have yellow and that's how they kind of divided up the the mankind and what they said was that people who are white essentially are uh, have, a, have a have a bigger brain capacity than people who are black. We had the lowest brain capacity, okay? We had the, and these ideas then transcended into things like slavery, used to justify slavery, used to justify colonialism, and it then led to, you know, uh, perceptions and views such as the white man's burden. This is a view. Right. This is a view that, 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 that you know, the, the British and, and, and West, you know, European superpowers Europe at that time had um, to justify things like colonialism, that we are their burden. It's their burden upon them to civilize, uh, bring civilization, um, commerce and Christianity, it's called the free seas. And that was their burden upon them to civilize the uncivilized, who was, essentially was everyone who wasn't white. Okay, so this, these terms, these scientific racism, pseudo-scientific racism, is something that they devised to divide, but also to create like a, a human hierarchy. Based on skin, based on colour, based on skin colour. When you explain that, it's weird. I got like a feeling in my chest of like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I got a feeling in my chest, like mm. as you explain that, that scientifically, that's what they use to justify slavery. Mm. Because I still feel like today, the reason why there could be barriers with, what well, I've seen actually in, in, mm. in recruitment, there is the reason why they're less likely to give someone a certain role because they're black is they genuinely feel like they're incapable. Yeah. They, they gen it's like that that still plays a part today yeah, in the working world. They yeah. feel like they they have to prove more. They give them an extra step because they're not saying because they're black, but that's the only difference between them and other candidates. And Yeah, yeah. You and know. The, that's the perception. It's the perception yeah. that black, you know, black people... The African people of African descent um, are, yeah, are less, are the yeah. other, are foreign, the foreigner, are, and they would, you know, they would look at, you know, you know, Africa, and they would look at, you know, some of our, our countries, Caribbean, etc., mm. and you know, use that as an example to look at, say, we're backward or we're barbaric yeah, or uncivilized, yeah. we're behind, etc. That's what they will use to justify. So it, it, th those no, those notions, literally, what you're saying mm. in terms of being in the workplace, they will use it to justify those notions. So, this whole pseudo scientific racism thing, although it was you know first coined you know in the 18th century, um, 
it's still very much a part of society now. It's still very much, mm-hmm. a part, even when we look at the, the whole mental health industry or the whole mental health sector in the UK, black people are more likely to be sectioned. Black people are more yeah. likely to be given higher drug doses. Black mm. people are more likely to die um, during pregnancy. To die during pregnancy. Yeah, you know all of these things influenced by a particular view of 100%. us. Regard if you was to, if there was a you know I've read so many different accounts and stories of how you know someone's something's happened. Someone's gone to the to the doctors um, and misdiagnosed. They misdiagnosed them, yeah. or someone's gone to the doctors and they might have just got a bit frustrated and because they've got a bit frustrated, naturally so, naturally so, you would, you would get it's frustrated because yeah. it's your health. Um, police have been called over in sectioned. Yeah, no, I've, I, I've promised you, I've witnessed the same thing. Yeah. Even a couple of years ago, a family friend, um, I don't even know if I've heard it in the news, but he, I think he, he was being arrested and he was having a fit. And he kept on saying, I'm, I'm having, I'm like, I'm having a fit. Like, even though you're arresting me, like, I, I need to, I need to go to the hospital. And he was saying in the video, because it's all on, it's actually all on YouTube. He, he was saying to the um, police officer. on the news? Yeah. 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 Did you see it? Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. He, he was saying, I feel, I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. And they weren't taking him seriously. And he had fit to the point where he died. And it's like, do you feel like we have this, because we're black, we have this un- intolerable pain that we can, we can. Yeah. Like, we have a high threshold when it comes but, to pain because yeah, we're black. But, yeah, because we're supposed to, we're supposedly more close to animals yeah. than human beings. Mm. These, were, these were theories. These mm. were literally theories that people wrote that we're closer to, yeah. to animals, to apes, yeah. than, than to human beings. There's more, there's more similarities. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. This is, and this is not something that was a thousand years ago. Yeah. This is something that was written by people... You know, heads of the anthropological society in, of of the of, of England, you know, two hundred years ago. But the views of these people still permeate through society to this day. Yeah. You know, to this yeah. day, and that's why you look at if you look at even going back not even too long ago, you look at the the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, the sus laws and the over policing of the black community. Mm. Even look at now how we're treated, um, how how we're tra- how we're treated compared to other groups, um, in terms of the over policing, in terms of you know. You know, more likely to be stopped, more likely to be imprisoned, more likely to be arrested. Yeah. My my uncle, one of my uncles, he was killed in police custody. Um in Stoke New Police. No, it's cool. This was years ago, before I was born, but this is something that it it affects whether it's mental health, whether it's police custody, whether it's we all know someone. My mum's been assaulted by police right. and been wrongly charged by right. police. I'm sorry to hear that. But they had to reverse it though. Yeah. See, I'm talking to you. I didn't know that. You didn't know about it but, happening but, in my phone. But it's so close because it happens know, to so many. Even so if it happens people, to us yeah. or we know someone that knows someone that it happened to, it's not far removed. It's not far, far removed at all. And actually, even when, I think that's when it hit home for me. Now you're speaking about it, it's when my mum was assaulted um, by a police officer in our house mm. um, and I thought to myself when we managed to get the appeal the whole case and everything so I'm, I'm no t- uh, we'll get there so, so when we managed to appeal it and everything yeah. um, I realised what if we didn't have the money or the time the shrimp to kind of go through that and sometimes we don't yeah and this yeah. is the problem yeah Do you know what I mean exactly sometimes we don't even when it comes to things happening in in, in hospital or things happening in where you know there's some you know, someone's been neg- negligent, not yeah. just to us, but this impoverished people of colour in the UK yeah. as a whole, okay? Finances, 
economics also plays a part in equality yeah. in our in our quest for equality because like you said if we didn't have if you didn't if your family didn't have the money how would you have exactly a lot of us or even the knowledge even the knowledge, even the knowledge. And, and the strength to say i can appeal this yeah, so exactly. I, I, it's not a done deal yeah. you know so that's a, that's a massive point so tell us how how did you go about starting diversify so yeah it was um it was one of them things where like i said working in working in the professional space was working in recruitment um project management for a long time for a number of different companies and one of the things that i saw there was the lack of people of color in mm. these spaces specifically around sort of the senior leadership level mm. i saw that you know there was inequalities that existed and i felt like the other okay i felt like i was diff i knew i was different and i was made to feel like i was different mm. um and i just feel like the spaces weren't really for me you know and i struggled and i feel like there was a lot of colleagues i had people that i knew that had similar experiences so i thought you know what let me try and do something about it mm. um and that was why I set up Diversify to, you know, bridge the gap for underrepresented communities and marginalized communities in the professional world to empower organizations to build diverse teams. And by doing that, unlock inclusive environments and create, um, I'm sorry, unlock innovation and create uh, inclusive environments. So that's the kind of main focuses and, and, and why I, what I want to achieve from doing that is those three things really. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just a response to, me seeing what was going on feeling mm. what was going on mm. and thinking you know what yeah i need to do something about it if not me then who will and you know not even in a sense of a like, egotistical because there's so many other organizations doing amazing things but it's going to take a village to do this it's going to take a village to change um and no one holds the monopoly on this space like it's going to take all of us to work yeah. collaboratively together to address this 100% um, and I feel like the more people we have in this space doing the work then the better it will become and we'll be able to hopefully our grandchildren won't have to experience the same type of things that, that we experienced so that was really why I set Diversify up but it's not like I said it's not just a, a reactionary type of response or it wasn't like a, a one trigger that set it off I feel like I was supposed to do this this work from when I was socialized from a young child, listening to Tupac changes, mm. talking about, you know, I see no changes, um, all I see is racist faces, things like that. Like mm. from listening to that, I feel like I was supposed to do this work from since, from since then. And if you ask anyone that's known me throughout the years growing up, I've always been, had this interest, always been outspoken against about certain things. I've always read certain things. I've always researched and been interested in certain things. You know, when I went to uni, I went to the School of Oriental and African Studies, SOAS, part of the University of London. Mm. That's a specific uni that touches on and focuses on, you know, history and politics and economics and law, whatever you want to study, but from an African or an Asian or, a, you know, that type of lens. So I was always That's interested good, yeah. in, in alternative information. Um, and I was, yes, I feel like I was supposed to do this. I feel like going through the motions in my 20s, I feel like there was periods where, kind of got distracted, whether it's by career, whatever. But I feel like life always has a way of bringing you back to the thing that you were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And it always has a way of waking you up mm -hmm. to that which you're supposed to do and that which is your purpose. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what happened here. And that does happen over time as well. Happened over time, naturally, organically, happened over time. What can listeners do to support and help and elevate what you're doing? Anyone that's listening, whether they're a candidate, whether they're a company, a client, what can they do? 
uh, get in touch, get in touch. Um, follow me on LinkedIn, follow Diversify on LinkedIn, you know, uh, yeah, follow on LinkedIn, um, engage with our content, um, engage with our content, send them, send a message, let's collaborate, let's work together, um, really to kind of try and make some real lasting change in this space. Yeah. yeah, amazing. And in, ju- just to double check, in regards to how you go about diversifying, do you focus on race or do you focus on all? Um, no. no, so I think we have a, we have our niches, yeah, race, ethnicity, uh, religion, um, and kind of, you know, the, the, yeah, and the kind of female experience in, in, diverse, in diversity and inclusion. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's, then... Yeah, that's our, like, a, that, that's our specialism, that's our experience, that's where we have the most knowledge in and I think to focus on anything else would be a disservice to those communities but also yeah. us yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. also what type of roles do you specialize in do you like any industries that you work with so, in particular? yeah so te- the tech industry that's my background that's where I come from mm. um financial services and banking as well and also the legal industry okay yeah, yeah so mixture of different roles so right now working on a on a, on a, a chief architect role for a uh, for a fintech company okay um but you know, one of my colleagues is working on a on a solicitor role. Um, so yeah, it just within anything within those those niches, I would say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Perfect. So well done, by the way, for starting out because it's Thank it's you. needed, like it's necessary, and I know where to refer clients to when 100%. they when Vice they need uh, yeah when they need recruitment services because I I used to do recruitment, but I I hang up. Yeah. I hanged up those shoes a long time, not a long time ago. Well, like still what? a part of the business is, is recruitment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, I don't do recruitment myself, but we help, com- we connect companies through the advertising yes. stream. Our focus is advertising and content. So, you know, yes. <laughs> that's a bit me. So, but just to focus also on your book. Mm, yes. Yeah, the book. Just give us a quick overview on your book. Yeah, so the book is called The Others We Became, Exploring Race, Identity and Belonging in Post-War Britain. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Or listen to it. You do an audio version. Um, it's a good point. You know, I, I might think, do. I think you should. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I will consume it better. Just yeah, for me. Yeah. I think I might. I think I might. I think I might. Yeah. 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 It might not come at the same time as the the the. the probably, yeah. But yeah, probably will do. I think more people are trying to to look at other ways of because obviously different people are different. They intake information differently, ingest information differently. Some people audio, some people visual, etc. So yeah. But um, yeah, it really kind of touches on kind of some of the things that we've been speaking about. Mm. It's really trying to look at diversity, identity and belonging and what it's been like since post-war, mm. in that sense. <clears throat> obviously, we touch on, <clears throat> like I've said, obviously, there's been a presence, there's been diversity in the UK since Wede, yeah? Um, and it's really kind of touching on that initially, but it's really looking at it from a post-war perspective and looking at how we've had to in, you know how our resilience and 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 um, has 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 persisted and how we've we've managed to you know um go through things but still manage to come out of it strong and um and ready to kind of to to fight another day that's amazing mm. i feel like your book's going to be really well informed and well researched because yeah, yeah. you're really knowledgeable yeah it, thank you thank you appreciate it but it's 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 one of them things it's it's part i would I wouldn't say it's biography, but there's some biograph- biographical elements in it, mm. which narrated. But then it really touches on, you know, there's facts, there's statistics in there. Yeah. It's, it's it's not a fiction book, it's non-fiction, but the way it's kind of written and, and narrated is something that I'm hoping readers will be able to connect with. It's not just mm. a typical textbook, you know, like in 
15, 77. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. going to be constructed in a way yeah, that rare. connects. Yeah, and there's, you know, some of my own personal narratives, family narratives in there, stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's just long. No, I can imagine, but it's going to be really rewarding. Yeah. So, like, yeah. well done. Like, honestly, it's, you. it's, I love, this is why I do this, because mm. every time I sit down with, like, a black person, they inspire me, like, just from your story, from you explaining what you do, why you do, the knowledge that you have, the insights that you have. I've learned, I'm, I'm taking mental notes. Yeah. Like, what's the what, what's the um, scientific term again? Pseudo-scientific racism. Pseudo-scientific racism. I'm taking that in. Also, Charles Darwin was, uh, the theory of evolution was a part of that as well. And, you know, he used uh, the Nazis, Nazi Germany, took on his teachings to create the whole idea of the master race, um, which is the Aryan race. Which they used to justify uh, the, the Holocaust and other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, 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 it's mad. That is, I didn't even think, think, know that or even link that. They didn't tell me that in school when I was in history. I got an A in history, by the way, did as well. You? I did. No way. I loved history. Come on. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. I just history. left it in. I, I just, yeah. Oh, 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 not me. Not, <laughs> not, not my phone or loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but yeah. okay, so with that being said, as we're wrapping up, I just, I always like you, every guest to leave with a word or just some type of advice or word of encouragement for the <laughs> listeners. So yeah. yeah, take it away. Oh man. Um, so much to say, so much to say. Uh, I would just say, yeah, believe, believe in ourselves, believe in yourself individually, individually, believe in yourself, believe in ourselves. Um, don't follow the narrative that's given to us about us for us. You know, let's create something that is, for us, by us, with us, because um, that's the only way that, that we're going to be able to redefine the narratives that, that have been created and written about us. They're not they're not helpful. They haven't been helpful. It's not worked. Mm. It's mm. not worked and it's not working. Mm. It's not worked and it's not working. And, you know, and conversations like this, mm. you know, people like yourselves that are doing such great things, um, not just for black people, but for people, mm. for humanity, for the UK. Um, and this is what it's really about. It's going to take pioneers like yourself um, and some of the pioneers that are watching, you know, to really create an environment where, you know, we're, lo we're looked at as, as equals because we are equals. Mm. Um, no one's better than us. Um, we're equals. And it's about, if we can't, it's about, you know, not necessarily even wanting to join a table, create your own table. Mm. You know? So I think that's, yeah, well, so I could say so much more. But I know, time, I know, time, I know, time, I know. Time, I, time, I, time. I feel like a part two is pending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have after so many book, guests. After the book, after, after the book. After the book, after I, the book. I feel like we need to do a part two because yeah, yeah, yeah. we have we didn't even get into your mm. whole... Listen, we Yeah, so there's, 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 there's so much things. Yeah, 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 but yeah. you all know, like, we have to give it to you in pieces. And our guests are long-term guests, so we can have them on again. So thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Um, bless you keep doing what you're doing and for everyone out there that listens to this episode and watched it share it okay take notes from it act upon it and let's start creating our own tables okay all right thank you everyone take care bye